0: Don't put any qualificative or race or tradition or religion on me. I am before all a human being. Then I can be Jewish, black, Brazilian. Remember, you are first you are a human being.
1: I'm not Christian, I'm human.
2: I am not Asian,
1: I'm a human being. I'm not a man, I'm not a father, I'm a human being.
0: I am a conscious being, not human. And every conscious being part of my family. We are not gay, we
3: are human. I'm not a woman, I'm a human being.
1: I'm not a European, I am a human being. I am not a transvestite, I am a human being.
0: If the education will change and every baby born on this earth will receive education saying you are human, you are conscious. Forget the color, forget the religion, you are consciousness. First, then there is no more problem. And then we can choose, of course, different tradition, philosophy, but after and only after, and then there is peace and love on this planet. And the polit- politicians don't have any more
1: power. <laughs>
3: Yes, and, and, you know, Riles, uh, you know, when he traveled to the planet of the eternal, they taught him the sensual meditation.
1: Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grimerica show. Uh, we're going to be talking to our resident Raylian. Well, I guess not resident, but... Uh,
2: Actually, she's Canadian
1: resident. She's Canadian, so we can call her resident Raylian, uh, Diane Brisewell. Uh But first... As always, the great Graham Dunlop. How's it going, buddy?
2: I like the sound of that, buddy. Thanks. Yeah, I knew yeah. you would. Yeah, <laughs> better than the great Graham.
1: The great Graham debacle. are <clears throat> I'm, of doing, we're I'm have, doing well. Are you? That's good to hear. Yeah. Why are you blinking like that? i like, Are you signaling me? <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have a late night here in Great America. After we record this intro, we'll be doing our second round table. Uh, with Mr. Bolelli and Richie Mon from the Drunken Taoist Taoist, however, whatever yeah, I always really, fuck that up
2: Yeah, really looking forward to that Those guys are hilarious
1: That's okay, I've heard, uh, I've heard Daniele try to pronounce Grimerican on his podcast a couple times And it doesn't come out <laughs> real well either <laughs> So Red's joining us, how's it going buddy? How you been? You staying dry? Goal! Oh, hey guys, sorry. did you score?
4: <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, the World Cup just started, so I may be trying to get in the vibe of things. Are you a big soccer guy? No, not really, but uh, I always like it when the Mexican team plays, because I know that's when I'm going to have zero problems getting, to my, uh, getting back to my home. You know, I'm going to have zero traffic <laughs> issues.
1: Soccer's, soccer's big, I guess, and everyone else is watching the game. i seen Brazil won today.
4: Uh, it's a yeah, big Bra- fix. Yeah, in Brazil, it's soccer yeah. is not a hobby. It's not even a game. It's a religion. It is the official religion of the country.
2: Does everybody know that it's all
4: rigged anyways? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I didn't watch the first game, but I, I think there's already a, a discussion that uh, Brazil won... Because of the uh, arbiter's decision to for a penalty or something like
1: that. The I seen that yeah. actually. I was I was in, in uh, my boss's office watching on his computer. He had it on, and
4: we seen the thing, and then we seen him score. Mm. Of course, it's Brazil. Of course, but actually, the only thing I wanted to see about the opening ceremony, which I sadly missed, was. Uh, this thing that happened with this uh, teenager Keith who is a paraplegic and he gave like the first kickoff of the World Cup using some kind of uh, robotic exoskeleton oh I I heard about that yeah that was the only thing I was interested in seeing and there are some images already of the kid. You know, obviously uh, the exoskeleton he's using is definitely more uh, cumbersome than the, the, the nifty uh, CGI uh, animations that the pro- the Walk Game project had been issued for several months. But nevertheless, I think this is a huge, very, very important step. You know, a very a huge technological technological development and maybe maybe 20 years from now you know the world the world cup will be played by uh, uh, people who are you know part human and part cyborgs
1: yeah fuck yeah that's what i always said that's what i've always been saying about sports leagues you got to start a sport league say maybe we'll start with baseball but we encourage steroids steroid use (laughs) And these guys will have to build bigger parks. These guys are going to be hitting the ball like fucking 700 feet. Once we get the <laughs> money from that, like it'll, just, it'll be just a matter let of... Just people do whatever they a, can to yeah, enhance their within ability. Within a decade, you'd be more popular than baseball. And then you branch out to football. Steroid football, steroid hockey, fucking juice <laughs> them up. Let them give themselves robotic knees. Whatever they can. Whatever,
2: whatever you can do. Yeah, that well, would... Obviously football field to be
4: 500 yards long yeah because these are obviously this is first and foremost uh, an entertainment right it's, it is a, a show but on the other hand if those kinds of events will make possible to make advancements in that kind of technology we could we could he- which could help people who are um, in some kind of physical disability, you know, people who are no longer able to walk, who maybe are not, are not have control over their, I don't know, arms or whatever, you know, and they can be restored of, their, of that physical capacity. I mean, I have no problem whatsoever with that, you know. It would be great to live in a world where wheelchairs are a thing of the past.
2: Or it's just going to help the rich people live forever. <laughs> Well, you know. We're breakaway. Okay. Another breakaway civilization. Yeah. Breakaway. Started.
4: Breakaway. <laughs> we're getting back to that d
1: <laughs> <issue> again. game. <laughs> Let's not go down that tunnel today. I do have okay. to say
2: one thing about the World Cup. I don't understand how soccer can be decided. Soccer. How football can be decided over a penalty kick. That just doesn't make any sense to me.
4: Well, those are the rules. I know. Rules it just seems so hard. weird.
2: Like, it all comes down to, like, just one kick, two guys, a goalie and a
4: guy. Maybe that's part of sure. the allure of soccer because, you know, in uh, games like – and maybe uh, – I'm not a sports fan, so I'm sure that some people will uh, uh, will be commenting on the Grand America page uh, to criticize it, but maybe in some other games it's less exciting because uh, – Things are decided, you know, uh, maybe several minutes after the game ends, you know, most of the time. But with uh, with soccer, really, anything can happen, you know, before the arbiter, you know, uh, gives the final whistle. You know, really, things can change dramatically, you know, and and the losing team can end up winning and vice versa, right? Yeah,
1: just... Feels like it takes forever. Soccer players are always whining about something. <laughs> Embellishers. Oh, they're total divers. It's starting to oh, yeah. bleed out. You did out that in the hockey, hockey man? Oh, oh my yeah. hockey's getting bad, too. Oh, <laughs> hockey makes me sick.
2: I played against the Czechs in the ball hockey world championships, and they were flopping all over the place. It was disgusting. Hey, we got listeners
1: in Czechoslovakia. Hey,
2: nothing against the Czechs. They're just divers. Okay. <laughs> what is divers? It means you flop like you, you exaggerate. You're, fake. you're like you're oh, fake fall. Yeah. Right? Like somebody oh, yeah! bumps yeah, that's, into You barely bumps into and you and you yeah, fall like a you know you collapse like a cheap tent.
4: Yeah, that's typical of soccer. Typical of soccer. And you Europeans guys, and hard to. they and they stay on the ground, and wow. then the say yeah 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 come over it. You know I'm not buying it, and then the guy you know just go and run to the to this to the side of the the court. Like it, nothing happened. Yeah, it was. It was all an act.
1: Graham's got a little hot streak at him tonight.
4: Oh yeah, yeah. Starts,
1: <laughs> Started out in Czechoslovakia, then it's all a Europe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep it to Eastern Europe. How's that? Eastern Europe. Yeah, that's still bad, but whatever. It's a podcast.
4: You nothing to do with Eastern Europeans. It's just they like to dive. Some sort of evolutionary advantage. I mean, their own. Uh, Their their own coaches, you know, they they encourage them to do that. That's what I mean. It's just
2: part of the culture. It's like they just they'll they'll cheat to win, man.
4: Yeah. Cheat to win, win to cheat. So I oh.
2: Well, this isn't fair. It's I've been caught off guard. I wanted to have a. I want to have like a Raelian type UFO quote of the week, but
1: anyways. Why don't you quote Rael? Real? Yeah. Oh, I could, Real. eh? I don't have it handy. Well, handy it up. The <laughs> clock is ticking.
2: Okay, I have one here. It's time for the profound UFO quote of the week.
4: They got that from the jingle. <clears throat> let's, let's be profound then. Okay.
2: We, we use the best equipment to detect objects in our skies, even strange ones with great results. We can distinguish between a commercial plane or other objects with our modern equipment. Concretely, from the United States, that are highly qualified sources of information, that we are inside an environment in which we have unidentified objects. Concretely, they are extraterrestrial objects of that, I am sure. We share the universe with other beings. And that's from Colonel Wilson Salgado, Commandant FAE, dash cos dash one of the ecuadorian military
4: oh ecuador yeah well done thanks (laughs) but what about uh synchronicity time you got any synchros for us this week i don't have anybody how about you i I think one of us has (laughs) one (laughs) Mm. (laughs) hmm
1: Nothing, eh? Joey's ah. not here tonight, so. <laughs> no, 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 man. Well, I've Don't, got mine. It's not much one. I already rated it. Well, but I, I've rated it listeners. And, and also guessed what Graham would rate it. So here's how it went down. All right. Mm-hmm. I was on the Twitter at work, and <clears throat> uh, I forget it was like. Um, Were you on your break? I'm always on my break.
2: Can I interrupt you like you interrupt me?
1: Yeah, of course. <laughs> Except I, I do it better i do it better um so anyway i was on the twitter tweeting twitting twitter twitting twistling i guess i wasn't tweeting i was only reading tweets so we'll right. call that twistling twist twistling
2: anyway oh well, i see what you're saying
1: you see where i'm trying to go with that it's fucking train wreck anyway so it was like one of those slideshows where you go and there's five things. It was like f- five mysteries of the ocean or whatever. And it was this Julia sound. And I'd never fucking heard of it from like 1999. It was some sound was picked up by some uh, deep-sea microphone. Uh, super loud, I guess. They didn't know what it was. And then uh, there's allegations that some fucking satellite had pictures of the area. And uh, they seen some dark object like as long as the Empire State Building Swimming away or something like that, but I don't know what's what's what's. I haven't looked into it enough about that. But the sounds real. I was listening, so I start, so I heard that. I was like, "How did I never hear this?" And I'm on YouTube, and I listen to the to the sound, and then I start looking at a bunch of other shit on YouTube down that rabbit hole. I ended up staying like 25 minutes past the end of the day on YouTube. So then I was driving home, and I was talking to RPJ on the Twitter, and um I was talking about. uh First, we started about the Julia thing, and then I think we got into something else, and I was talking about how I like ocean mysteries and shit like that, and I'd like to get a guest Mm -hmm. on about, you know, ghost ships or anything ocean-related, really.
2: USOs? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, no, just like, no. (laughs) The Bloop. Maybe the Bermuda Triangle, but that might be okay. But anyway, yeah, there's the Bloop one. There's a bunch of these anyway. So I was talking about that, and then I popped on uh, the MU episode. Well, while, while I was still talking to RPJ about the, doing an underwater or an ocean episode, and they started talking about this fucking shark, nine-foot great white shark that fucking was tagged, and they found the tag on a beach, and when they ran the scan on the, on the tag, the electronic tag, it showed that it had went out to the continental ridge and fucking started swimming down real fast, and then all of a sudden its body temperature switched, from 40 degrees to 70 degrees or something like that so they're saying it got eaten mm-hmm. and they kind of allude to it being eaten by a, something giant which of course it doesn't have to be someone could have just taken a bite out of it or who knows
2: mm-hmm. like a sea monster like the kraken like what could eat a great white shark
4: the kraken well at first they they speculated that it might have been a sperm whale right I don't know because the yeah right right now the current theory is was that the nine foot uh, white shark was killed and eaten by an even bigger white shark you know like a, maybe a, like a fourteen foot uh, uh, shark right right because nine foot really you say, oh my god like it's like uh, three meters long which is like bah, nothing you know when you're talking about that's that species of shark.
2: Fucking so, um, twice the size of me.
4: Yeah, but it... <laughs> Three of you. Like I tell you, it really is like nothing, you know? I mean, the, the, the shark in, in the movie Jaws, it, it was supposed to be eight meters long. I don't know how many feet are, uh, those are. It's, about it's like 26, 26. Yeah, the, now oh, we're yeah, talking right. about a, right. a really big monster. And there are even tales of even bigger sharks in the, in the sea. Yeah, so anyway,
1: that was a synchronicity.
4: Okay, so it's time for Graham to rate it. <laughs> First
2: of all, I have to say, now you know what I'm talking about when I put on a podcast. And it's, I was telling you about that last time we went over all these synchronicities, right? How you're listening to something or you're looking into something. And then yeah. you play this random podcast and it pops up okay i don't know i gotta say that's <laughs> probably like a
1: seven. <laughs> oh man i thought you would be even merciless you know like five what did i, I guess be, what did cause... i guess you would give me rpj uh
4: 7.5 or something like that what did
1: i give myself
4: oh like 3.5 oh 3.6
1: yeah
4: it didn't feel it didn't feel good
1: no, I didn't even really think of it as a synchronicity. Oh. RPJ is the one who caught it.
4: Ah, man, that, that is a synchronicity.
1: Obviously, I think you should be more aware. I show. think
2: you should be more aware of your surroundings. If you're more present, you'd you'd realize synchronicity going on. I was in my truck driving through the country.
1: On. I know exactly where I was.
2: You just didn't recognize that you're need. on the path. You need to
4: be. <laughs>
2: no, that's pretty cool though, because a lot of underwater, like we haven't even discussed underwater stuff at all.
4: Yeah, man, let's have a fucking right? show base, about the Loch Ness monster, the Champ Lake Champlain, Ogopogo Lake. I mean, I want to, I want to have a show about lake monsters.
2: So, I want to meet Justin at uh, Lake Oganog, and we'll go Ogopogo hunting there. But hey, I want to ask you first about the shark thing. So. I don't understand the body temperature thing. It, it changed. The tag changed temperature
4: because it, it was... Because it up in the stomach of, of some, something. A living, yeah, but here's the thing. A that, living
1: biological uh, entity.
4: But the temperature was uh, allegedly higher than the body temperature of uh, a shark. So that's why at first it was thought that maybe that shark was, had been eaten by... A marine mammal. I wonder if it's possible it just fell off, floated to the
1: surface, and then the sun heated it up. No, 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 no. That's not how
4: they (laughs) they wear the signal. No, 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 no. no. (laughs) Your Occam razor is way dull.
2: Did you hear that, Dan? Your Occam's razor is very dull. (laughs) Mine? Yeah. What about if it if it went into an underground cavern or something somewhere?
1: Uh, into li- the underground shark food <laughs> world, or, they have, or they're scared to go in the out of there because the people will get them. They should be more scared of us than we are of them.
4: But, here's but I'm the pretty thing. fucking scared of sharks. But here's the thing, you know, I, I I mean the idea that a shark was attacked by another shark to me is. A bit disquieting, because maybe it's a signal that those motherfucking uh monsters with uh, knife kind tall of, uh, teeth are uh, starting to get uh, run out of food, you know what I mean? And people oh are on yeah, yeah. Idea. I
2: see. I mean, they're eating their own. Yeah, you'll yeah. see
1: shark attacks go way up when that starts happening. They'll just yes, yeah, yeah, so we're it. an easy source of food.
2: Did you it's see that? Not- did you see the latest video of that guy in the Sydney Harbour? How he went around the fence and he jumped in with his GoPro on his on his forehead and his buddy oh. and his buddy's like, "Hey, there's a shark there," and it shows him. Panicking underwater, and the shark fucking swimming, swimming by is like a great white swimming by. So we'd have to go under the water to see where the shark was, and then come up and try and swim for the shore, and then go under the water to see where the shark was. And did he get away? He got away. It almost seemed fake in a way, but
1: da, da. did they edit in Jaws music?
2: No, they didn't. As well as missed opportunity.
4: Beating. I remember once I was with with my family. Uh, uh, swimming in the Twelve island one. of oh. Cozumel. You, you you know where that is, right? Yeah, I've yeah. been there. So I was there, you know, and, and and in the beautiful turquoise waters of the Caribbean, you know, that is crystal clear, you know, so you can see for, uh, I don't see miles, but, you know, tens of, of, of meters, you know, deep uh, when you are, you know, uh, below water. And I saw very close to me a barracuda. Oh. And it probably was, you know, like a two feet long barracuda. But when you're a kid, and you're there, you know, the, the, I, I felt that that motherfucker was like, you know, three feet long. And I, I don't know, I probably did like Jesus and walked on water, you know, just to get out of that thing.
2: Those are creepy looking too. They're yeah,
4: freaky. yeah. I mean, I, they're obviously not as dangerous as a shark, but they can be very nasty.
2: Yeah. So I've got some feedback here, Darren. If you want to hear, spam, absolutely.
4: Some
1: spam. Spam, Graham. Yeah. Don't spam, Darren. You just spam, Graham. <laughs> That's the jingle. Then? That's Darren's little homemade. <laughs> uh, somebody needs a Somebody needs to do that properly. It'll sound better when it's when it all comes together.
2: So this is Spam America, Spam Spammermaka. That's the title of this email.
1: Spam America.
2: Kind of, yeah. So, okay. Just wanted to say hi from Norway. I accidentally came across your channel on YouTube, and now I'm hooked. Nice show, interesting topics, and good humor. Was listening on headphones in bed last night broke out in laughter and woke up the whole family when Darren said, Wonder if he's got a brother named Mike. <laughs> <laughs> <That
4: was epic>. <laughs> funny <laughs>
2: funny as fuck. I definitely spreading the show around to my friends over here. Norway loves the Grimerica show. Keep up the good work guys, very entertaining. So yeah, thanks, Halver from Norway. We love awesome. Norwegians too, so
1: Yeah, sweet. That's awesome. awesome. That was uh that was probably the first time we've we've ever fucking lost control like that on Laughing like that on the air. Yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah, that was. Uh, it was too much.
2: Yeah, it was a bit <laughs> too much.
1: The funniest part was you didn't catch on right away. <laughs> I had to say it I was bursting out laughing and, and I was just kind of watching you because you were
4: just like, what? Yeah, I have I made that the first time I, I, I was listening to you guys laughing and I was like, huh? What? What did I miss? Because I don't think I've ever heard of
2: uh, Mr. Hawk before. I've heard of Mr. Hunt. <laughs> But not Mr. Hawk.
1: Good times. <laughs> yeah.
2: So I got another one here. This is, this is really good. He says, uh, hey, guys, just finished the show with Simon Chakoisky the five dharmas. Wow. That had to be the best show ever. I thought the Chris Ryan show could not be beat, but you really outdid everything on this one. Your show had to be the best and most real podcast out today. You guys ask the questions that the average person listening wants to know. I'm thinking of a question and Graham asks it. Mm-hmm. So there you go, Darren on Sincerity. What's my score number on that one? <laughs> Been listening from number two.
1: Synchronicity.
2: <laughs> we'll listen to anything you guys put out. My wife is in a yoga and meditation and also loves the show. Thanks so much for all you do. Happy first year. Second year is going to blow everybody's minds. <sighs> Boom. And that's Harold from Venice, Florida. And he says, stay warm in the igloo. The nice. igloo, which is melting. And he says, P.S., say hi
4: to Red Pill Junkie from Ooh. Florida. Uh, hi, hi, hi back. Thanks, thanks. I I I almost say that I should also say that that episode was uh, really good. I have, didn't comment on the Grimerica's comment section, but I was really uh, entertained by. Uh, what's the name okay of this guy? Simon Chukowski. Simon. Yeah, I was really entertained by Simon's uh, stories. You know, his journey from being this. You know, like. Uh, weightlifting guy to now being this you know like <laughs> kind of a guru if you yeah will.
2: <clears throat> yeah and we had a lot of fun in that episode so it's it's interesting to me that he picked the two episodes where personally uh you know they were some of the most fun right real casual conversation style like chris ryan and, and simon you know it wasn't mm-hmm. so much of an interview as it was a as a as a cool chat
4: yeah
1: definitely yeah those are fun ones but uh, I think we should probably wrap it up. Of course, thanks for the great feedback. It's always appreciated. Yeah,
2: and we try and try and read... Well, we do read them all, and I, I try and reply to them all, but some might slip through the cracks in the igloo. Cracks slipping. <laughs> <Summertime>. <laughs> the bottom
4: of the ocean.
2: So we do have to mention quickly before we uh, s- uh, move on, though, is the money bomb, right?
1: Oh, yeah, the money bomb. Yeah, donations are down this month, so... Um, What do we got, three weeks left, two weeks left? Two weeks left, yeah. Two weeks left to try and uh, jam some some funds together so we can uh, pick a a random listener uh, from the pool and and fire back uh, some cash to them, pay some bills here, so... Value for value. If you guys can can afford to throw a bone, then then do it. And like we say, uh, check out slash moneybomb for all for all the details. But it's basically a 50/50. Uh, if you can't afford uh, to donate, you can always send us a postcard or, or um, there's a couple options other options there on the website as well.
2: And Darren's giving away Grimerica email addresses for five bucks a month. So that's a way to get yourself an email address and get yourself into the money bomb before Darren cuts cuts us off.
1: Yeah, it's almost like a rite of passage. They'll, they'll, they'll be limited, so limited to fifty. All right, guys, I think that's about wraps it up. Of course, we're gonna be talking with uh, Diane Breezeball about the Railians. You know much about the Railian movement, uh, Red?
4: I have read uh, some about their claim of how the, uh, the the movement, <laughs> and that, and I'm being kind of. Uh, Kind here calling it a movement instead of a cult, but yeah, uh, I know a bit about the railings. Wow, anyway, (laughs) (laughs) we better better
2: move on before Red keeps going here.
4: Okay, okay, so don't get me started here. I'll I'll reserve my judgment on after I listen to this. Okay, sounds good.
1: Yeah. That was a fun episode. It was totally fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a good time. Uh, Diana was a great sport. We had a great chat. Uh, I think you guys will enjoy it. Next week we'll be coming at you with uh, roundtable, right? Uh,
2: I mm-hmm. think so. Yeah.
1: Next week will be the.
2: And we will be releasing the passport episode too.
1: Right? Perfect. That's right. All right. Uh, soon. Okay. <laughs> okay, guys. Thanks for uh, for listening. Enjoy the interview, and we'll uh, catch you here in about an hour. Okay, guys, uh, in America tonight, we're going to be talking with Deanne Brisebois, um about uh, the Raelian movement. Uh, but first, how's it going, Graham?
2: Hey, Darren, I'm doing pretty good, buddy. I'm looking forward to to this talk. We've been thinking about it for a while.
1: Yes, yeah, so uh, you want to give us a quick rundown before we jump into it with Deanne? Yeah, Sure.
2: So for decades now, you know, in the background here, we've had this this Raelian movement been steadily growing. And as far as I know, it's like over 70,000 members and uh, in 97 countries, you know, kind of like hidden in plain sight. I mean, everyone's probably heard of the Raelian movement, but uh, a lot of people probably don't know the ins and outs. So we've got uh, Deanne Brisebois here, who's the spiritual uh, one of the spiritual leaders, spiritual guide of the Raelian movement. And we'd like to welcome uh, you to the Gray America Show,
1: Dan.
3: Great. Thank you very much, Graham.
2: Yeah, it's for uh, inviting me. You're welcome.
1: Yeah, I suppose uh, first there's probably, I don't know, there's probably a, a chunk of our listeners that, that might not know what we're talking about. Um, could you just give us a, a quick rundown on the ins, ins and outs of Raelianism, is it?
3: Yes, yes, of course. Uh, Well, the Raelian movement uh, was started in, uh, uh, well, after uh, the founder had an encounter with an extraterrestrial. And, um, uh, you know, he didn't expect this at all. Uh, He was, at the time, he was a a sports car racer and uh, journalist. And he uh, was very happy at what he was doing. He was married. He had two children. And uh, one day, he decided to uh, use a different road to go to work. And um, uh, it was in in France, in the central France. And uh, he saw a big light in the sky that attracted him. So he uh, went into this uh, volcano park. And uh, the light came down. And uh, actually, it was a, a UFO that immobilized itself from the ground and a being came out and came to speak to him. And so, uh, you know, he was regretting not having a, a camera with him, uh, but, uh, you know, it was, um, it was a very short encounter, and uh, the being told him to come back uh, the next day at the same time, and uh, this being uh, entrusted him with a message uh, that was addressed to um, to the whole of mankind uh, for us to understand our origin and so what the, uh, the extraterrestrial explained to him uh, as they met for six days in a row for an hour a day uh, and you know they explained to him that they had come a long time ago um, to create all forms of life on earth and at the time the planet was fully covered with water but they um, with gigantic um, uh, bombs, they created a, a big hole where the water rushed in, and um, the dry land appeared. And, and this is what we uh, read in Genesis in, in the Bible. And uh, so there, you know, they have sent. Um, they created all forms of life um, thanks to DNA, so which is uh, the the basic of life, deoxyribonucleic acid, and um, they started with very simple organism and then went to more complex and more uh, sophisticated um, uh, beings until one day they decided to create a man to their image, to their likeness. And that's what they did. So they, um, uh, at, you know, through times, um, you know, they, they were not allowed to create life uh, in their image. It was forbidden by the government but, you know, they did, regard, you know, regardless of the government orders, they decided to do this out of their passion and love for um, the creation and, and also for the art that they were practicing and the science that, you know, they had a group of scientists and artists working together. And, uh, you know, when the government find out, found out that they had created life on Earth, they uh, were very upset, and so they isolated them on the planet and so they were not allowed to return to their planet and so you read this story of these beings that were living at the time with the the, the, the creation with the, the man that they had created and eventually these extraterrestrial saw that the daughters of man were fair and they took them for their wives and the, the, the son that were born unto them they were very famous man, you know, which is what we read, in, again, in the Bible. And um, so the God, the people that were mistaken for God are actually the Elohim. And the Elohim is a Hebrew word that was mistranslated to the word God. But literally what it means is those who came from the sky. And, it, you know, furthermore, it's a plural as supposed to be a, a singular. Yeah, I uh, think you know, heem. is a plural. God. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So Elohim being a plural, the singular would be Eloha. And so they, these Elohim decided to send, you know, prophet to help us to survive because once their government forg- forgave them and they were allowed to go back to their planet, um, then they said, well, how are we going to, help our creation to survive and to live, you know, without us being around and us, you know, not being there to provide them with guidelines. So they decided to send prophets in different times, in different epochs, in different parts of the world. Mm. Because originally there were seven teams of creators. And that's where you find, uh, you you know, the different races. So there were different teams that were... Creating on the planet, and uh, uh, <clears throat> these uh, prophets that they sent were Jesus, Buddha, Mohammed, Joseph Smith, you know, and all the, the the great prophets. There there are several of them, and they have chosen Rael to be the last prophet. The you know that is announced to to come at the time of the apocalypse. Hmm. And so uh, Rael was, you know, was not happy about finding out that he had been chosen for this because he was very happy in his life. And he was not sure that he really wanted to undertake this mission. So he had to think about it for a while. And then he realized that um, you know, uh, it would be very egotistic to just to go on with his life and say no, I don't want to do this. Hmm. Uh, when you think that it's to save humanity from destruction, so he decided to take on the, the mission, and that's what he has been doing since uh, he had the contact with the Elohim. But you know, they have asked him two things: um, is to gather people who wanted to welcome them back on Earth to uh, build an embassy to welcome them back so they could come and meet officially with our governments and also to um, spread this information to all beings um, so all the, when they come back they will come back with all the prophets and um, you know all the people that have been recreated on the planet of the Eternals um, so all the great prophets, when we talk about, you know, Jesus coming back, uh, he would come back because he's maintained alive um, uh, on, on the planet of the Eternals. So there's a planet where the Elohim lives and there's another planet where people, Earthlings, people that have lived on our planet, that have um, helped our humanity progress, that have been recreated on on a planet that we call the planet of the eternal and Yahweh is one of them Yahweh is not an earthling, but he's uh, an Eloha an Eloha and he was the first uh, extraterrestrial on which the um, uh, who was recreated um, after he was a certain age and he was going to die they were able to recreate him, and he was the first one on which the recreation had worked. And so he's 25,000 years of age, and so he's um, part of the, uh, the wise, and he's part of, uh, you know, he's actually the one that uh, Rael has met um, when they had their encounter, and mm. he's actually the father of Jesus. And he's also, uh, uh, you know, he explained also that um, Rael had been chosen for this mission, but he was also conceived for this mission. So it was um, uh, quite uh, shocking for him to hear all this information, but he has decided to go on and to pursue um, and to take on this mission to spread the message everywhere on the planet, And so Rael, since he has received the message, has been traveling everywhere um, on all continents to uh, spread the message and also to have Raelian help him uh, to spread this information. And, of course, you know, as of today, there are only two possibilities of creation of life. You have either we are born uh, and, um, I mean, we were created by an almighty God, um, impalpable and supernatural, or we are the fruit of evolution, mm-hmm. where we came from a drop of water that became a fish and that became eventually a, 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 a mammal and eventually became a human being. Mm-hmm. So this theory or this um, uh, creationism, because we are atheists, we do not believe in God, um, You know, is another possibility of the creation of life that we're offering
2: mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That, that uh, leads us to a load of questions. So
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Thank you for explaining that in such depth. I do have a quick, quick question here. So rail is where Raelians come from. And then the, the actual name of the ET race is still, is still the Elohim. Or yes. What, or- the, the,
3: the Elohim are uh, humans. Uh, but they just live on a different planet that has a different environment, and therefore, for them, they could not live here because they do not, you know, they do not um, live in the same atmosphere that we live in, uh, you know, here on the planet. But they are, they can travel and they can come here. And um, but yes, they you know they they are extraterrestrial, but they are human. They look like us. They have same physiology. We were created in their image, so they look exactly like us. Two oh, hands, okay, okay. two arms, two legs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
2: Okay. I I get it. So how far back then do, do you guys say that um, that they they started this whole process of creation? Like he, I thought I read somewhere like thousands of years, so do yeah, you guys so have
3: approximately a... thirteen thousand years ago.
2: Oh, interesting. Hmm.
3: And sometimes people would say, Well, how come, you know, people find uh bones or or you know, um uh uh, archaeologists, they think that they, they have found, um, you know, a dinosaur maybe that was n- many more years. Um, well, you know, when they came on to create life on Earth, there was no life. But it doesn't mean that there hadn't been life before.
2: Ah.
1: So,
3: yeah, so it is possible this planet, there was no life when they came. But it's possible that there had been life before
1: so it's even possible there could have been perhaps intelligent life before
3: it's possible
1: cuz that would explain you know i think it's just a matter of time till we find some buildings that are older than that
3: mhm yes and also the other thing is that we have that we have to consider is that our de- uh, datation methods are not necessarily accurate
1: yeah there's always that too that's true
3: because the way that the, the methods uh, for dating things um, consider that everything has, is constant in the universe. And if there's only thing, the only one thing that is constant is change. You know, it's like if you see a car driving in the parking at 20 kilometers per hour, you cannot uh, think that this car was always driving at 20 kilometers per hour. Hmm. And that's the way that things are measured in that, you know, when they're dating things, that things were constant. So, you know, things change in the universe. We look at, you know, you know, temperatures uh, changes as well. So that, you know, it's very difficult for us to come up with a a dating system that would be accurate, um, you know, considering that everything is always changing.
2: So, you know what I thought about, Darren, when when, uh, she mentioned the uh, blowing the holes in the in the crust to let the water go through. Have you ever mm-hmm. seen those blue holes around the world, like the really circular, deep blue holes? Have you yes, yes. have you heard of those, Dan?
3: No, no, I haven't.
2: Yeah, I, I swam across one in Dahab. It's like in Egypt, and these things are all around the world. And they're like I don't even know if there's a if they know how the bot how far down the bottom is, but it's like a massive
1: circular hole in the ocean. Right. I've never seen those. We should pull one up. Yeah,
2: you should pull Nazi. one up. Yeah, it's it's super scary uh, snorkeling across the uh, the the diameter of one. It's freaks very freaky. Right, <laughs> so, right. So um, so yeah, lots of questions here. When this whole thing was was going on, uh, with the Elohim and the and sort of with, with the, the daughters of men and all that kind of stuff. Was there other ETs there too? Like, has it just been, like, what's your view about other races of ET and have they interfered or uh, yeah. is, there, is there like a peaceful pact between races?
3: Yes, absolutely. Um, the Elohim, you know, we are the garden of the Elohim. They came here, you know, this is their little part of um you know the little corner of the universe that they um have cared for and so they um there uh, there is an agreement that um other extraterrestrial life would not interfere with us ha- having said that um there, the elohim have created on three planets when they created life on earth they also created on two other planets
2: yeah I was going to ask that yeah
3: Yes, one of the planet they have created uh, life did not survive. They oh. you know life has disappeared on that pla- one planet. The other planet, the um, uh, the uh, beings that were created are 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 living, and they may eventually contact us. Hmm. And um, it was said that if they do contact us, it would be for us, it would be our work to tell them that we have been created by extraterrestrials because they would not know about it. So they haven't been in contact with them the way they have been in contact with us. And so uh, it would be uh, for us to tell them. So it is possible that uh, we have some brothers in space that may one day try to contact us and they would not know anything about um, where they come from.
2: And and what happened to the other race that didn't survive? Was it, did they destroy themselves or did they just not make it uh, yes, because it, of environmental it, reasons?
3: Yes, that's right. So, uh, I, I don't have the, I don't remember the details, but I know that um, they did not survive, and so they didn't make it. I, I'm not sure the reason why they didn't make it, but um, yes, I, I, I don't recall. But it's it's in Ryle's book. It is explained in Ryle's book, and I you know it's been it's been a while, but I don't remember the details about that one.
2: Is that the big book that's uh, available on your website, like a free download? Yeah.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so and that's the, intelligent the design. You can read it. And you know, the intelligent design. When it was first written, it was written in French, and uh, it, it it includes three books. So, intelligent design includes the first encounter, and then two years after the first encounter, Raël had a second encounter with the extraterrestrial. They came back two years later, and um, uh, also. Uh, In the Intelligent Design book, there's a third book that was written after um, to answer some of the questions that people were asking about the first two books, uh, about the message and about, um, you know, questions that uh, people had frequently asked questions. And, And then he, in the second part of that book, he provides more information that he was not allowed to release until a little bit later. So he um, writes a little bit more information and that's where he tells us about, uh, um, you know, that he had also uh, been created for this mission. And so his father is also, um, you know, the father, that, uh, the father of Jesus. So he's like half brother with Jesus, but also that um, he was uh, conceived for this mission. And to you know, his path for all his life had been already um, been planned, and then he had the, the ultimate choice to decide if he was going to undertake the mission or not.
2: Hmm. And yeah. and that was that's decades ago. So your movement has has it steadily grown. Like where are you at now for members? Like it is astonishing how yes. how how widespread your your movement is.
3: Yes, it is, and you know, it's been uh, since, you know, the, the movement started when uh, Raël had the first encounter. It took him about a year to, to write his first book, and then to get it published and to, uh, to start, um, you know, s- uh, people reading it. It took a while, um, you know, but the first uh, two years were uh, about, um, you know, um, writing his book and getting it published. And then two years, uh, that was in 73, is, um, December 13, 1973, was the day he had his first encounter. And then the second encounter was October 7, 1975. And on October 7, 1975, um, they came back and they told him that they were very happy with the work that he had done at the time he had published a book and he had gone to a TV uh, station and once he won on the TV station lots of people start writing him letters saying I want to help you I'm interested in in helping you uh, spread this information uh, on the planet I speak different languages I could help you translate you know the book and all that so he had lots of response and lots of people that were interested in helping him. And so he started uh, creating um, you know, the organization that, uh, that we know today. And so two years later when they came back, they told him that they were very happy with what he had done. And they also decided to take him uh, aboard the spaceship and he traveled to the planet where the Eternals are living and so he was taken to that planet and he for 24 hours he spent 24 hours there to experience and they showed him how they recreate a human being right in front of his eyes and that's all detailed also in his in the book intelligent design it's in the second part of the book which is the second actually the second book in in french and um... Uh, you know, that's when they gave him more information. They taught him the sensual meditation uh, technique to help him because uh, the first uh, year after he had the first encounter, he developed ulcers. He became very sick because it transformed his life. Hmm. You know, he, he he was very happy at doing what he was doing. And so all of a sudden, uh, you know, upside down and, um, you know, he... he He wasn't sure if he would.
2: It's interesting how he was chosen, as he was very—he's already a happy and content guy. Like it's—it makes me wonder if—if you have to be that way already, right? You know, you're not going to need this external gratification to make you whole and content.
3: Right, and I think that also, um, you know, he was followed by the Elohim all his life. And so I think that, um, you know, the experiences that he had in, uh, in his life, he was very close to nature, um, you know, he was also uh, an artist, um, you know, he played music, um, he was very much, um, you know, he, he was not into having things, he was, he was already happy uh, the way he lived. And so, um, and this is truly what the Elohim have been teaching uh, and, and the Iranian philosophy is really a philosophy not about having, but a have a philosophy of being, and and being happy, uh, you know, n- not having.
2: That was one of my next uh, questions: was some of the principles that you guys follow, like happiness and love, that type of thing, right? It's very sort of your sort of cliche spiritual principles, but. That's what you guys have been talking about for decades, right?
3: Yes. And, and you know, and Rael's, uh, you know, when he traveled to the planet of the eternal, they taught him the sensual meditation. And sensual meditation is, is um, something they have taught him. Uh, so he could teach that to us. And sensual meditation, basically, it's the awakening of the mind through the awakening of the body. <laughs> the, bo- the body and the mind are linked. And, you know, if, if, if you think about it, we are linked to our environment through our senses. You know, we can see and we can feel, uh, we can uh, hear, uh, you know, in our environment, everything. We can touch, we can taste. Um, and so the, when our, our brain is the most uh, in, a, in a state of awakening is when we can uh, uh, awaken those senses, so the more you try to awake your senses, the more you you will be connected with your environment. And so, in his seminars, he teaches people how to to uh, to you know fine tune our senses. You know, uh, like for instance, uh, you know you probably have done this in the past. Um, you know, blocking your sight
5: mm-hmm.
3: with a uh, with a a band. Uh, you can uh, you know you can enhance your sense of hearing simply by blocking your sight
2: yeah we've tried uh, meditation and sensory deprivation chambers and like the float tank and that type of thing so
3: oh you have yeah Yeah. so you know just by uh, blocking your senses or doing a meditation one of the meditation that Rael teaches is meditation on void which is blocking all your senses one by one until you you become like a rock And when you do that, I mean, it's a very difficult um, exercise to do. But if you practice that, you feel renewed after. You feel like, and it's nice to be reconnected again. Uh, Another thing that he teaches is a fast to do, excuse me, to do 24-hour fast once a week. So if you fast, then first of all, you, you allow your body to cleanse. And secondly, you, um, you, you you give your body a break, and um, when you eat again, you enjoy it even more. Mm, yeah. And you can do it in a, in a more conscious way. Mm. You know, you, you break your fast with a fruit, and you can truly, truly taste the fruit, uh, you know, more consciously. So it's... Um, You know, there's small exercises that you can do at home, uh, you know, on your own. And Raël teaches these things, uh, you know, to enhance your your different senses.
2: Do you guys all do that? Do you guys all fast once a week?
3: Yeah, I do. I I have been fasting once a week for many, many years. And, you know, truly when I don't do a fast, if I skip uh, from fasting because I'm traveling or for some other reason, I really miss it. So it's something that I, I I really feel I need to do. If I don't do it, I, I say, Oh, I can't wait to do my fast. You know, so and it's very simple. Fast is just um I have dinner Let's say on the Thursday night and then I'll have dinner again only on Friday night. Hmm. So you skip two meals and you know it's not very long. you sleep for you sleep at night and you wake up in the morning and you drink water all day and then you have dinner.
2: I've been I've been fasting lately I've been fasting between meals and that's hard enough.
3: Oh <laughs> <Well>, really <laughs> trying,
2: trying not to snack.
3: Yeah, well, what you can do is just drink water in between your meals, and you'll find that you, you're not hungry as much.
2: This is true. But at the
3: same time, the water is cleansing. It's helping, you, it's helping your body to, uh, to heal.
1: So, um, have you had any experiences of your own or I guess, I don't know, like, have you, have most Raelians, have they had their own experience? Or is this kind of all based on, on Real, what Rael saw?
3: Well, I'll tell you that um, uh, there are some Raelians that um, have uh, witnessed very interesting um, uh, events. Uh, when, you know, we have a four celebration a year. Raelians, we celebrate um, the first encounter, the date of the first encounter, December 13. Then we celebrate also October 7. We also celebrate the first Sunday of April, which is uh, uh, um, the uh, celebration for the creation of life. Mm -hmm. And we also celebrate August 6, um, because of August 6, 1945, when the atomic bomb fell on Hiroshima, the Elohim realized that we had arrived at a time that we had enough scientific knowledge to either self-destroy or to enter the Golden Age. And so at that point, they decided to send the last prophet. And so Rael was born on September 30, 1946. And so we always celebrate August 6th, As year one You know Year one in 1946 And then um, You know and so on So now In Raelian uh, The Raelian philosophy We are in year 68 And
2: So this This August will be your 68th anniversary
3: uh, Actually August uh, August 6th That is coming is going to be August 6th 69
2: Oh that'll be a big one
3: Yes, year 69. And so um, on August 6th, one year in August 6th in Japan, Raelians were gathered to celebrate uh, in Hiroshima. And they were in a park, and they were together, and they had done a meditation. And when they opened their eyes, there was a UFO above them, and it um, there were angel hair falling from the sky.
2: And what, what year was that, did you say?
3: Um, oh, my goodness. I don't remember the like, was exact year. Was it year. a long
2: time ago? Because that was...
3: Uh... Yeah, it was some time ago. Yeah, yeah, okay. And um, so there was one of the Raelian who's a scientist. And so what he decided to do is uh, he had a, a, a little jar. So he took one of the angel hair to this jar, mm-hmm. closed it. And he had this angel hair in the, in the, the jar, and he thought, I'm going to take it in my lab, and I'm going to study it. And I'm going to try to find, find out what they're made of. And so he took the angel hair into his lab, and when he opened the jar, it disintegrated. So he was so disappointed because he thought, oh, I had this.
1: So close. <laughs> like,
3: Yes. So, but anyway, so that was um, one of the. Uh, there are some raelians that I have seen UFOs. Um, you know, I, I I'm not uh, I'm I, I'm not one of them. Um, I have seen them often in my dreams because I'd love to. M- to welcome them in the embassy, and so often, you know, I've done meditation, seeing them arriving, and um, you know, being uh, the day that they arrive, and they they come with with all the prophets, and so this is, uh, you know, I'm like the 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 little girl who can't wait to to see them coming back, you know. How, how so long this, have you been this, in
1: it for? This kind of ties in with CSETI. Do you guys like? Do you is, do you do you, guys, do you guys get any members that? Came from C-SETI?
3: Actually, um, some of our members are, are members of, uh, of SETI and uh, are invited to go to their conference and are invited to, uh, you know, when they have movie screening and, uh, you know, all that. Yeah. So um, we, uh, you know, we are very, um, you know, in, we're in touch with them and uh, they are aware of us. Um, you know, Dr. Stephen uh, Grimm, I think is his name. Greer. Yeah, Greer. Yeah, that's right. Um, he's, uh, you know, he, he knows about us because we've been to his conference many times and we've given him the book. And so i he, he's aware of the Raelians, uh, definitely.
1: So I, ga- I got to ask, um, do you guys get much blowback? Because, I mean, celebrating the day an atomic bomb got dropped and, I mean, you can't – it. The the swastika and the symbolism. I mean, that's gotta rub some people the wrong way. Have you have you experienced any of that firsthand?
3: Yes, and, and you know, I think that there's a, a you know, there's a lot of education that needs to take place because like you you're just talking about the Zvastika and the Star of David. <clears throat> we have a day called the Zvastika Day, which is coming up very soon. Um, we do this every year to educate people about the symbol. Mm-hmm. First of all, the Star of David uh, and the Zvastika are two symbols that are very, very old. And if you look up the Tibetan Book of the Dead, you will find the Star of David and the Zvastika together. And this is a book that's much older than the Bible. And the symbols were together in, into one symbol. Uh, the, the symbol of the Star of David and the Svastika represent infinity in space and infinity in time. Uh, It's the symbol of the Elohim, because their their philosophy is also infinity. And uh, so the Star of David represents what is above is like what is below, uh, and it represents the uh, macrochism and microchism. Hmm. So what you find, if you think about What you will find when you look at the stars and um, they're part of a galaxy and part of a universe, you might be looking at a microchism of a gigantic being. And the same thing in the other way, when you're looking at that on your hand, you have cells and then you have protons and neutrons and then you go... To the nanoscale, you might be looking at the giant, you know, the infinitely large—a very small being. Hmm. That's what the star of David represent: infinity in space. And then this Vastika represent infinity in time, meaning that everything is cyclic. It's like a cross that you see in movement, and you would see the trail that the cross is creating as it's turning. And so this swastika represent that everything is cyclic. There's no end and no beginning. Everything that exists has always existed and will always exist depending on the form, matter or energy.
2: As usual, everybody gets dogmatic about these symbols and you guys are trying to educate them to their origin?
3: Yes, absolutely. Hmm. Yes, and, you know, and again, the Zvastika day, the reason why we have made Zvastika day is because in Germany they have decided that they want to ban the swastika. Well, they want to ban the Zvastika because they are ignoring that in, in, in Buddhist country the Zvastika is everywhere. On Buddhist temples and on uh, and architecture, in and, and, and synagogues, you find Zvastika on the floor of synagogues in Israel. They're everywhere.: It looks and like it it, and it has nothing to do with the Nazis. It looks but like uh, a- also Hopi,
2: Hindu, Aztec,
3: Tibet, Absolutely. they all yeah. Jainism, you know, there's so many different religions that have used Zvastika, and Zvastika truly is a symbol of peace. It was a symbol of luck. Even here in Ontario, there's a city called Zvastika. And the reason why it's called that way is because uh, they had struck gold. And the people, uh, you know, the government wanted to change the name of the city, but keep, the people refused to have the government change the, the signs and change the name of the city. They kept reversing it back to Zvastika because they said, this is, this is good luck. Hmm. And so you can you can Google this and you will find all this information. Um, you can also go to our website on um, Zvastika, uh, org, and you'll find a lot of information about the symbol. Um, you know, but this symbol is everywhere on the planet. You will find it in so many different, you know, in archaeological sites. I traveled to Mexico to visit the pyramids in Mexico, the Aztec and the and you, you will find this swastika in, in their architecture, so it has nothing to do with the nazi It's it's on unfur- you know it 's so sad that uh, 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 a leader would use a symbol and uh, create such a stigma that we would want to get rid of the symbol. The symbol is not responsible for what people do with it
2: mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah,
3: but people get stuck with the idea that the nazi used it and you know and uh, and and on top of that the symbol was slanted it was not in in the same position but you know people get you know think that this the symbol means uh evil it doesn't it means good luck it's Mm well-being if you talk to any indian you know it's a good symbol
2: yeah you can't disregard the origins of that symbol just because somebody uh used it for for evil purposes
1: yeah you gotta think about branding
2: branding (laughs) so so what about the the rest of the ufo community and the ufo movement like what do you guys think about all the sightings and then you guys must also get blowback like darren was saying from from the ufo community the people that kind of no longer support the et hypothesis or that type of yeah. thing
3: well you know uh, there there are a lot of people that are uh, you know non-believers and you know and I respect that uh, there's some people that need to see they need to touch before they believe mm-hmm. um, you know it's uh, you know there there's all kind of people and I respect if they don't believe um, you know, but I think that um, there are a lot of people that have seen UFOs and some of their sightings have been explained because uh, they were either airplanes or hot air balloons or something else um, but there are a number of sightings every year, and they are increasing the number of sightings are increasing every year, especially here in ontario we've we you know there was a report just recent. Uh, indicating how you know we had like twenty times the number of sightings uh, more than a few years back, and so they the Elohim said that they would show themselves more and more, and it's 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 normal that we are going to see them more and more because these are the signs. It said in the apocalypse, you know, you, there will be signs in the sky. When the apocalypse is there, there will be signs oh. in the sky. For us, these are some of the signs. And, you know, we've been requesting, uh, I think we've made eight requests to Israel to have a piece of land where we could have the embassy there. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have turned us down. So just recently, um, we've made a request. Um, you know, to, the, to their representative of the International in Movement um, that uh, are officially, you know, handing over the project filed for the construction of the Embassy of the Elohim to the Canadian government. Oh, So this is uh, very fresh news that I'm telling you because this press release just came out yesterday. Oh,
2: very nice. <laughs> so we're Canadians, obviously, we're in Cal- close to Calgary. so where do you know where this embassy will be?
3: Well, this is very interesting because you may not know this, but right in your province, uh in the city of St. Paul,
1: Yes, yes,
3: you know about this, uh, a alien bit. Yeah. Is that
1: the alien landing pad. Yeah. yeah.
3: So you do have a landing pad for extraterrestrial. And just recently, uh in Hawaii, uh, there's a, another group that have requested the government of Hawaii to have a landing pad, just like St. Paul. And they would like to have a landing pad, and so they're the second group that have requested uh, to have a, a, a place specific uh, on the islands to, so a UFO could land. So, you know, there may be a lot of skeptic everywhere in the world, but there are some people that true believe, truly believe that are, there is life out there, that we're not alone, and that they will want to come to give us their scientific knowledge, or they will want to come and visit us.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: And so we've made the request to several times with, you know, to Israel, because this is, ideally the Elohim would have liked, for us to have the embassy in Israel but as we know there's a lot of turmoil happening in in Israel for the past fifty years or so and so they have uh, not you know given us you know after seven refusal from from the state uh, of Israel you know to answer to our to our request you know we decided that we're going to offer the opportunity to you know to host this historic project because you know, to, to, to all the countries of the world, because this is a great opportunity to bring uh, great uh, uh, boost to the economy of that country. Because hmm. imagine if, if uh, there was a country that accepted to have uh, an embassy to welcome extraterrestrial and, and the extraterrestrial came, how much uh, tourism that would bring to that country? you know, to, to see, uh, you know, and to uh, be close and to be able to see these UFO landing. You
1: know, so, it's, it's, you know what's funny is... Uh, I wonder if it'd be more than uh, Colorado.
2: Colorado, what do you mean?
1: The weed tourism. Oh, I wonder yeah, if alien tourism would be more. Oh, my more. God, it you would think blow it so? away.
2: Are you kidding you me? I think so? So it's funny, though, you mentioned Israel because that's where my sighting was. I saw a UFO in Tel Aviv so
3: wow but, you know, yeah <laughs> you are fortunate you know <laughs> yeah That's beautiful That's yeah well beautiful. it was
2: it was pretty uh, yeah pretty uh, profound
1: so israel's yeah. uh, holy land to the Raelians too i suppose yeah
3: yes and uh, we have uh, the ralian movement in israel and uh, there's a uh a, 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 a guide a bishop who is um in israel and uh, several years ago, he uh, uh, blew the shofar, which is uh, this trumpet. Uh, as it is announced in the Bible that, um, you know, the, the last prophet will be here when you hear the shofar. Um, the and uh, so um, several years ago, uh, Léon Melul, who's uh, responsible for the, spreading the message in, in Israel, he went to, um, to blow the shofar. On the um, uh, place where the the pilgrimage often people go pray and uh, so it's a public place and so um, it, it was very interesting um, the reaction of the people and um, I think that uh, you know all the the things that um, you know we have done to to have Israeli and there are a group of israelian in Israel and, and also in Palestine. and, and you know but we 've done everything so uh, you know so they would um, have an opportunity to have the embassy there and if it 's not going to be in Israel, we thought maybe it could be on Mount sinai yeah and so yeah. you know I mean that 's another possibility, but at this point, since Israel has refused to to um, to answer our request, then we're going to offer this opportunity to all the countries of the world. And so there is uh, going to be a press conference on June 4th in, uh, in Ottawa.
2: June 4th. Tomorrow?
3: Yes. Tomorrow, oh. uh, you know, the Iranian movement will host this press conference in, at the uh, Ottawa Marriott Hotel. Okay. Uh, to talk about uh, the, uh, the embassy file. Um, that will be uh, handed to to all the attending journalists. So, if you're interested, you could get a copy of this package. You know, we could uh, we could send it to you through uh, through mail, and uh, you could talk about it some more.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll get to, Graham can send over our uh, PO box after after the show. Yeah. So, it, does
2: that mean that St. Paul is actually uh, have a potential candidate here to increase its uh, landing pad potential?
3: You know the the um, the problem that we have encountered so far, uh, you know, it's the extraterritoriality. You know, only the army has this privilege um, of extraterritoriality, and you know, I think it it's it's a concept that doesn't exist um, uh, right now. So if we wanted to have a, a place where the UFO could land, the Elohim would like to have the extraterritoriality because they could have the army, you know, um, attacking them.
2: Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
3: an embassy is a place where you are protected. You yeah, have yeah. Protected yeah. space. Yeah. And so, in this case, we also need to have the protected airways. And so, uh, in order to have the protected airways for the UFO, we need to have extraterritoriality. And so this is something that needs to be put in place for uh, for space travelers.
1: That makes more sense. Now, I was wondering why Israel would want to bro- block it. But I guess if you want airspace over Israel, it yeah. would be yours. That's yeah,
2: probably- that's probably the main holdback there, <laughs> yeah
3: yeah so it's uh you know it it it's something that doesn't exist right now that we would have to put in place you know just like you know um um when the army is flying they have uh they have specific corridor that they are allowed to to fly in uh, but you know as soon as they go out of their corridor then they could be you know intercepted and so by by it, by that specific country army hmm. so you know uh There is no um, extraterritoriality, extraterritoriality, I'm sorry, um, where people, you know, could not go into this corridor. So, you know, and and of course, understanding our background and uh, seeing how violent we have been. Um, you know, I think this is the least they can ask for,
5: <laughs> Yeah.
3: you know, making sure that we're not going to be attacking their vessels or, you know, trying to kidnap uh, a UFO to, you know, to try to, uh, you know, observe it and test it and do all these crazy things that we'd like to do to any extraterrestrial we would find.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So are they, are they in contact with other groups of of people at all? Do you think or, or is it just basically no, through uh, rail
3: that they would they would contact only one person uh-huh. because we know how you know you probably heard the telephone game before you speak to several people and uh-huh. then you know everybody hears a different thing yeah so there's only one messenger and Rael is the representative of the elohim so if they were to come uh, on earth to meet officially with the government. They would want their ambassador to be present and, you know, he would be their spokesperson. Hmm. So Rael, uh, you know, would be uh, the individual that would be um, there to to speak in their name or to simply to uh, arrange uh, for all the leaders to meet with them. Yeah. Darren, Darren, so it, this is this is huge, you know. And I think our humanity. Uh, sometimes I wonder if we are truly ready for this. When yeah. you when you look at what's happening in, you know in Nigeria and uh, what's happening in in all different parts of the world where there's so much, you know, in Afghanistan and in, in uh, you know in Israel, we are so violent and we have so much to learn um, spiritually.
2: I think it's polarized, though. I think we have people that are, uh, you know, increasing their level of consciousness. And we have people that are, um, you know, still very violent. Right. So. Yes. And and then, you know, I don't know what to believe anymore with the uh, with the mainstream media and what's really going on in the world. I, you know, there's, there's two sides to every story. And I don't know, it's usually the truth is somewhere in the middle. I that's, why, in the book. that's
3: why it's always best to go to the source, as opposed to be relying on the media to provide you with some version of the truth.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. So, Darren, do you have some questions here?
1: Yeah, I've got a, I've got a few questions from a, a few listeners sent in. Um, they, they seem to there's quite a few on on cloning. So I thought maybe before we jump into those, you could we could maybe touch on what exactly the cloning connection is to to the Raelian movement.
3: Well, the cloning is that when Rael traveled to their planet, um, they, you know, they have shown him how with a, one cell they could recreate the entire human being. And uh, the way it's described in the book, and, and I don't know if you've seen uh, and if you're a, a fan of Star Trek, but I remember watching an episode... Oh, yeah. Where uh, a Star Trek that describe exactly what's in Rael's book, where, um, you know, a cell was um, uh, put into this machine and then all of a sudden the body starts cr- being created. Was it the first Star Trek? First, um, and it's in one of the Star Trek, but, you know, and, and actually if you read also the creation of man in the Quran. There's also a very close description that sound, that looks very much like the creation of a man in a laboratory. Mm. And so, you know, you see first you see all the, the 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 bone, the skeleton and then you start seeing the the, you know, the muscles and then you start seeing the face and everything. And so what they did is they took a picture that Rael had on him and they recreated a being exactly looking like that person on the picture that was the first step and Mm. then after that they said well we can also recreate a copy of you and uh, they took a a sample uh, DNA of his and then put it into the machine and then an exact copy of Rael was made and so you know they showed him that it was possible to recreate a human being at the adult stage what? Not going through all the stages of life, you know, that we have to go through, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs>
2: what about the consciousness part of it? Like,
3: Well, what they do is uh, it, for the consciousness is they download um, all the memories, all the, re- you know, everything that you have experienced in your life uh, it is recorded into your, your memory. And so they're able to download the information into your brain. hmm So you know, and they're also able that if you wanted to change anything, you could you know you could say, well, I'd like to have curly hair or I'd like to have uh, blue eyes. (laughs) They could also do that because they have mastered the you know DNA engineering. So uh, you know they they could recreate you the way that you want. But basically, the, the cloning. The reason why we believe in cloning is that. It's one step. If we're able to recreate a human being, eventually we will be able to, we will say, we will um, continue doing um, progress in our science, and eventually we would be able to recreate a human being at the adult stage without having to go through all the the phases of, you know, teenage and teenager and then to become an adult and, you know, go from infancy to to teenagers and to adult. So, um, and, you know, uh, it's unfortunate that we were programmed to live 120 years, but because we do not live very health- in healthy ways and we put a lot of pesticides in all our food and we develop cancer and we die... When, we ha- when we're starting to gain a little bit of wisdom and we've, we have all this knowledge that goes to waste because it's, it's lost. And so if we were able to recreate, and one day this is a, a debate that society will need to have, is how can we, uh, who do we, if we could recreate an incredible being who has done incredible things for humanity, you know, if we could recreate that being, who would it be, you know, who would it be if we, you know, if it was somebody who contributed so much to our, to our wellness and to make us grow or, you know, it could be an artist or it could Jim be, Marsons. you know, whoever it is, what are the standards and what are the policy that we need to put in place to recreate a being? And so that's a debate that we will need to have as a society as to if we are going to recreate, you know, uh, you know, Einstein or a genius that, you know, I don't know, I'm just naming someone, but, you know, it could be anyone.
2: It kind of gets into eugenics in a way, right? I mean, all of a sudden there'll be, uh, uh, you know, discrimination,
3: Well, yeah, we need to decide, we we would need to decide what are the criteria that would allow you to be elected to be recreated. Wow. Uh, You know, what if we could recreate Gandhi? Yeah. You know? So
2: are you you guys working on this? Have you guys cloned anyone yet?
3: Well, uh, you know, there is a a Raylian who uh, has a business and, you know, uh, she has done some cloning. Um, but truly, uh, you know, I, I'm not in touch with her, and I don't know what she's doing uh, in terms of uh, her scientific, uh, you know, uh, progress. Uh, but she, she did clone uh, some individual, is what she said. Uh, but just like you, I haven't seen that child. And uh, she, what she told us is that in order to protect uh, that child, so it would not be taken away from the parents, uh, she has chosen, uh, not to, uh, reveal who that was. And so the parents, you know, would not lose their child. And so she'd rather lose her credibility than, you know, uh, having, uh, parents losing their child. So, you know, uh, it's unfortunate, but, um, You know, I don't know what she's doing, but uh, philosophically, you know, we we were hoping that she would be successful, you know, at doing this. So I think that, you know, uh, I don't know where she's at and what she's doing right now, but I'm hoping that, um, you know, one day she would be able to uh, to do this, whether it is her or somebody else.
2: So. Darren, um, do you have other questions on cloning?
1: Uh, I think that probably summed up uh, about another one. I guess uh, Gitmo Yoho, one of our producers, I suppose, um, I I think you've already addressed his first question. It was cloning is illegal in the U.S., but not in other countries. Um, We can clone animals, so notwithstanding the ethics, what's stopping it? I suppose it's legislation and shit, right?
2: Yeah, but apparently it's happening in other parts. So,
1: Yeah, so his you know, second question was: know, Oh, go
3: ahead. Is that how, can, how, how can you stop scientists from doing science? You know, it's very difficult. It's like, you know, telling an artist that they cannot do their art.
2: Yeah, well, even the, the ETs, right? Their scientists went against uh, the government, yeah. right?
3: Yeah, they did, because of the passion that they had for their, for their, you know, for, for what they did.
1: Yeah. 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 So the second question is, human cloning is said to have already happened. The Raelian prophecy is that the aliens will return now. He's wondering if there's ever any evidence that they may have or they may be in the process of. Or... Uh,
3: well... You know, I I do not have any evidence whatsoever that they exist. I do not have a piece of metal or a rock or anything like that. And truly, um, I think that it's best that way because anybody can create any kind of, you know, uh, can say this is a proof and then anyone would try to destroy it. So, um, you know, I think the proof are everywhere. You know, if you, if you look up in the sky, and, you know, I think more and more people have seen UFO. People are going to continue seeing UFO. These are some of the, you know, uh, the signs of times. Uh, also, there are proof in, in, the, in the scriptures everywhere. Every religious book has something in the scriptures that, that describes that there were people from another planet visiting, if you look at even the in Hawaii right now, you know, the, the reason why they're asking for a landing pad in, in the main island of uh, Hawaii is because they believe that the people from the stars were the one who created them. They were the people that, and they were, they're supposed to be returning. So, um you know that if you look in all the scriptures you will find uh you know signs and if you if you're interested in UFO um you know you will you will find proof somewhere but what is a proof for me may not be a proof for you yeah i what i kind of a- gr-
2: yeah. I kind of agree with you because uh pictures, videos, you know, you can't prove they're real. You can just prove they're fake. So, you know, you all this evidence, 70s. all this evidence that happens and uh, no, you can't really prove anything's real like that. You can only say that it's fake. So, all this all There's this evidence that there is is just the bar gets raised and the evidence not accepted anyway. So, exactly. it's kind of going to be up to people to have their own experiences and then you know, and, and then we will evolve our consciousness from there.
3: Yes, and you know the Elohim did not want Rael to have a picture. They did not want Rael to have any evidence whatsoever because they want us to have the freedom of choice. They have so much respect for us that they do not want to impose to us. And so they say, if you want... If you would like to have us coming back, we would be happy to come and visit you. but you know uh, of course you know when we're going to invite them, we need to have a place to invite them so it would be it would make sense for us to have a place where they can come and they would be safe so you know I think that um, if they were to impose they could they could have given him proof, but no, they want us to use our own um, freedom of choice to, to believe or not believe or to say yes I'd love to meet you or no I don't want you to come here
1: <laughs> and at the same time they want us to have some faith I suppose
3: yes yeah, so, but it's for us to decide hmm.
2: so before I before we don't have time to get into it I would like to talk to you about the geneocracy I'm not sure how you guys how you pronounce it but geniocracy. yeah
3: Yes, geneocracy is uh, a political system um, that um, they have on their planet, on the Elohim planet, where they have um, uh, uh, the most um, intelligent people being at the service uh, of the people. So they have no government uh, and it's a, it's, it's a um, geneocracy is the genius at the service of people. And there are people uh, electing these individuals that will make the decision for the whole. So it's not, a, it, it's, uh. yes. Yeah, so it, 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 and that's another book that Rael wrote several years after. Mm. Um, but right now he also have, um, um, uh, we have another project called Paradism, uh, which is uh, one step before genocracy. Um, that is uh, closer to to the times that we are living now. Uh, which is, um, you know, right now. I think most people are starting to see that the government that we currently have is not serving the people.
2: So, is is Paradism? paradigm one step before because you before you can actually measure intelligence objectively
3: yes you and, have and to you know out- there are many different type of intelligence so we would have to design some sort of a test that um you know to measure intelligence and uh, what kind of intelligence do we need to measure um you know uh, i think it needs to be a number of in- a different, a great number of type of intelligence that need to be measured in order to, uh, you know, to to be useful for for this um, for this geneocracy. So uh, you know, and it of course, you know, Rael prefer for for Raelians to be more involved in in spreading the message and and. Uh, uh, speaking about, um, you know, the Raelian movement and the different uh, aspect of the philosophy, so he, you know, he preferred that people that are into politics would take a concept like this and and run with it and do something with it. But um, as a society, I think that also we uh, we can look at, to what can we do? Because right now our government is not really serving our, you know, uh, our... Um, they're not really at our service. They're, you know, there's lots of scandals uh, with the politicians uh, misusing the money, and uh, they're not really uh, serving the people. And so, uh, paradism is having a, a, a world where uh, people do not have to work, but we have robots and technology. Uh, using nanotechnology, investing in nanotechnology, so we can start having science being at the service of human, so we could do the things that we were created to do, which is to uh, to create we were created to be creators ourselves, hmm. and whether it is art or whether it is um, you know um, technology or science doing things with science, um, we were not born to work we This is modern slavery what we 're living in. We yeah. are working for corporations to make profits, and uh, we're getting you know the poor are getting poorer, and the richer are getting richer, and the richer are very few. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's not a democracy. It's more of a corporatocracy or, or an ol- oligarchy. So speaking of money.
1: Idiocracy.
2: Idiocracy.
3: <laughs> speaking <laughs> yeah. of so, greedocracy. You know, gre- <laughs> yeah, so there's so much more that I could say about Paradism, but uh, we're running out of a little bit of time. Okay. You know, we could do a, another show some other time and and talk a little bit more about that. But, um, you know, you can visit the website paradism. And uh, this is something that we're that we're working towards. You know, um, also taking better care of the environment, uh, going back to um, to doing our own gardens, and and so we don't eat as much pesticides. so We would have better food on our table, so we could live longer. <laughs> so we would be living healthier. And, uh, you know, and do the things that we enjoy. And, uh, you know, because uh, right now, like the uh, government right now, we're in election. And um, in Ontario, uh, we're going through elections right now. And all they're talking is uh, what they're going to do to create jobs. Well, eventually, you know, the the corporation, in order to make money, they need to eliminate jobs and and replace the, the jobs by technology, robots. And, you know, so eventually the jobs are going to disappear which is a good thing in a way it, I know it is scary right now but it is a good thing in a way because what we are living in is, is this modern slavery we are working 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 and we're spending our life at the service of organization to make profit and that's not what life should be life should be about creating and doing the things that we truly enjoy and if that is contributing to humanity, then that's even better.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. Instead of like infinite consumerism, it's got to be more of like a resource-based uh, economy model. It
1: exactly. is consume all the resources.
3: That's the, <laughs> yes, model. That's the model. That's right.
2: <laughs> so yeah, there is a lot of stuff uh, to talk to you about. Maybe have we you can met have rail? you on again.
3: I beg your pardon.
1: Have you met Rail?
3: Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes, I've known Rael for many years. I've been Raelian for, uh, um, since 1975. Wow. So, yes, uh, it's been many years. <laughs> yes. And and do
2: you guys all have regular jobs, stuff like that? Yes, or some absolutely. Of or, yeah. We live in yeah.
3: society and we have regular jobs and Uh, Being Raelian is just, uh, you know, it's our philosophy, so um, we gather uh, once a month, and we we do activities also uh, throughout the month, Uh, and uh, we talk about the message, you know, myself, I I do interviews, and I I, uh, I do uh, speaking events. And, uh, you know, every opportunity I, uh, you know, I'm also involved in many other responsibilities. I'm responsible for Ontario, for the spreading of the message in Ontario. So from time to time, I travel to different cities to go and give conferences and and, and uh, speaking engagement. And, um, yeah, so, you know, I have a regular job because uh, everything I do for the movement is, uh, is free. Uh, I do this on a volunteer basis. Right. And there's not one Raelian that gets paid for doing, you know, for spreading the message. Does so Rael us- get paid? Sorry?
1: Does Rael get paid?
3: No, Rael doesn't get paid. The only uh, money that he makes is on uh, the sales of his book in French. Hmm. And wow. he's, he's uh, given uh, his right uh, for the English books and for uh, many of the, the other books uh, in all the other languages, so... Uh, he lives, uh, you know, he, he, he doesn't live on a lot of money. He lives uh, very, uh, you know, uh, frugally, but, um, you know, he, um, he, he, he loves his life. And, uh, um, you know, he's very happy that he has undertaken this mission and uh, he wants to continue doing this. And hopefully, um, you know, before he dies, the Elohim will, will be back.
1: Does anyone, before uh, real quick, before we go, do you guys ever get people uh, who join the movement after maybe t- uh, taking some sort of psychedelic voyage?
3: Um, I'm not sure. You know, we, the radiant philosophy is really to demystify things. So, um, you know, even if they, if an individual who was uh, mystical came to us, uh, he would find us very boring because we're not uh, into a psychedelic. Uh, you know, uh belief we, we, you know, we, even though we have pretty far-fetched, you know, uh, belief, uh, we are very down to earth people. <laughs> hmm. Yes.
2: Interesting. So if you, if you, uh, do come into Alberta, let us know for sure. And we'll, uh, you know, Absolutely. We'll
3: I would love to. And, uh, you know, I may be traveling, uh, that way, uh, sometime in the future, And uh, also I could put you in contact with uh, the uh, guide responsible for uh, Alberta and uh, she's a wonderful lady and uh, she, um, you know, she, she lives, I believe she, she lives in Vancouver right now, but uh, she uh, travels to Alberta on a regular basis.
2: Yeah, very cool. And we'll link to your website and all that stuff in our show notes.
1: Maybe Graham could get
3: that job. Yes, and if, you're, uh, if you uh, want to receive a, a package uh, for the, uh, the press conference that's going to be held tomorrow, um, let me know and I'll send that to you as well.
2: Welcome back to the Grim America Show. That was our chat with Deanne Brisebois of the Raelian Movement.
1: Yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah, that Learned was good. some things. Yeah. Are you, uh, you all in? I'm all in. I figured. I was actually wondering if we were going to see you back at the studio or if you were just going to drop off the face <laughs> of the earth. <laughs> off at some sex party someplace.
2: Oh, well, that's one thing we didn't really ask her about. I think that a lot of people will be disappointed in that part of it. Uh, we didn't really get into the whole, you know walking around half noon thing and all that.
1: Well, that's because the Grand America show is... uh, Respectful? Respectful.
2: (laughs) We will talk talk to her about that next time for sure. But uh, she did forward me uh, an interview with her on CTV, actually, about the embassy asking Canada for four square kilometers of land because they've got the $40 million plans for the embassy.
1: Perfect tax dollars at work hey man i guess it would be tax dollars it'd be donations no
2: it's not they're not, asking for, they're not asking for money they're not asking for money to build it at all the money's all privately raised by them yeah they're just asking for four square kilometers of land so i say nothing, give it man. to them. give it to them
1: the airspace thing is a little sketchy but just i don't think don't fly it's less over. sketchy if it's not over israel
2: <laughs> that's right <laughs> Anyways, CTV was actually quite respectful with her. I was uh, happy. I don't think that would happen down south in America. I don't know. They'd, they'd sort of make fun of it. But the guy was actually, you know, giving her the respect.
1: In America. <laughs> America. So. We got next week, Roundtable. Uh, Daniele Bolelli, Richie, Richie Mon Rich Evers. Uh, that guy's a riot, man. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, Yeah, that was a good time. Hopefully, one day we'll get to do a face to face round the table, but uh, it was still fun. Uh, so, and next week, Passport. Passport will come out and the round table will come out next week. So, it's kind of a double whammy. So, yeah, more, more bang for your buck. And do you want to give everybody a
2: little teaser of who you got lined up for a quick little chat?
1: Sheldrake?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he's coming on June 30th, I, I think. Can't wait for that. So, yeah, that one's uh, coming up. So thanks for listening guys as usual you'll find links to everything we talked about in the show notes all the music you heard uh, hit up the money bomb Help yeah. us pay some bills and uh, we want to thank
2: Deanne again for coming on and I want to thank uh, the guys that sent us feedback for the show too that was quite humbling
1: yeah yeah let's humble the shit out of Graham spam him. Spam, Graham. spam Graham that's at G-R-A-H-A-M at com. yeah
2: and tweet Darren at America.
1: Yeah, sweet tweets. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. We are the ones who
0: have created you from so life like this. From outer space, we came down. Can't you believe? Then, so much I must despise.